Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwain Poo, and this is episode 209. I am joined, as always, on a lovely Thursday afternoon, evening, afternoon becoming evening, uh, by my co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Just uh, waiting for Kevin Durant to uh, get his shit together so we can get on with our lives. Uh, I would love that. That would be wonderful if he would um, get his shit together. But it doesn't seem like he's very interested in doing so. Uh, I, I guess before we get started, I do have to make the announcement, though, that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of tiers. There's a, a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod right here every Friday. Pod Strickland with me and Prez. You also get access to the mailbag that is hosted by Drew every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where you can constantly debate whether or not Julius Randle will be traded if that's your cup of tea. There's also a $9 tier. That gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant, yell, and rave about the Knicks even more. More importantly, you get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Conley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like live watch parties, merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Uh, So without further ado, let's get started. Look, you did mention Kevin Durant, so uh, we can talk about this real quick since... Draymond Green thinks that, um, you know, he, you know, it's funny. There's this whole like new media thing going on. Like, oh, players are, you know, they're going to tell their own stories and all this shit. And the funniest thing about it is like, it's the same shit. It's the same bullshit. They just carry water for other players. That's it. There's no difference between players doing their shit now versus like, the only difference is who they're carrying water for. Um, but I just want to go, like, I just want to say the idea that what Kevin Durant is doing in terms of trying to force a trade out of Brooklyn after he signed a four-year contract extension that is only starting this upcoming season. He signed that last year. Um, I, I don't know if, like, in business there are contracts, and if you don't honor your contract, you don't get paid. Uh, the NBA works a little bit differently, especially if you're a superstar. Um, but, like... I just find this entire idea that like, oh, he's just doing what's best for him. He's just doing what it's like this is not the same thing as somebody leaving you know, it's this is not like you leaving your job to go get a better paying job somewhere. This is not the same thing. You know, like you're under contract. You're getting that money no matter where you play. And you chose to play in Brooklyn because you wanted to be in Brooklyn. But now that they have told you, hey, look, like Kyrie is insane. We're not just going to hand him a max contract extension right now. Now you want to get out and you want to be traded to XYZ teams and you have, you don't want them to trade such and such players because if you go there, you want to compete for a championship. Like, 
I just find all that just bullshit. Like, I, if he wants a trade, he wants a trade. But don't fucking sit there and try and, like, compare it to the average person's, you know, struggle to improve the quality of life. Or even the average MBA trade request, right? Like, you you touched on it, but, like, this isn't some rookie who had no select, no, no voice in where he started his career being like, all right, this team keeps fucking up. I'd like to go somewhere where they don't keep doing that, right? Or this isn't even some star who's like, I'm going to sign a deal, give it a whirl for a year or two, and then... Like, are we gonna uh, are we gonna I start calling mis- that the uh, are we gonna start calling that the Bradley Beal in a couple of years? I don't know, man. I think Bradley's, <laughs> Bradley's just gonna stay put. That's that's his thing. It's, uh, you know, we can complain a lot about Brad Beal, but he, he's consistent about one thing, and that's and that's the thing. So yeah, like this is just a it's pushing the outer. It, it's a pushing the outer bounds of one. They're, like Jamond is trying to push the outer bounds of when is an acceptable trade request, and to him, there's basically no, there is no outer bound, right? Like there's no, there's never going to be a situation where Jamond Green is like, oh, that trade request from a star who I'm cool with doesn't make sense. There's literally no situation that's going to fulfill that. If if like Frank Nilakina was like this bullshit, I want out. Like Draymond's not going to care about that, or obviously. So like, there's limits in that sense. But in terms of, like you said, like the the players he's cool with or whatever, he's he's just going to use his platform to justify it. It is what it is. Like it's just like again, like you and it you you, you can call it whatever you want, new media players podcasting. But like to me, it's there's a big difference between what Dre is doing and what like JJ Redick is doing. What Dre is doing is actually it's closer to what we're doing, right? It, it, it's like him just getting off his agendas and shit like that. When JJ Redick at least tries to like be somewhat objective and, you know, even handed Draymond is just like, he might give you some gems along the way because he's a smart guy in terms of X's and O's, but this is no more complicated. Like you said, this isn't some complicated business maneuver. This isn't some. And if it's business, like how (laughs) shitty is KD a business? Like, bro, we'll we'll find out because the, like, but it's, it's going to write like, like, but it's like, it's like, if you like, this is not, don't, don't try and tell him like, he's trying to present this as, Oh, KD's just like, you know, this businessman, like, okay. Because last time I checked this fucking idiot, signed a four-year contract extension before anybody else did, right? Before Kyrie, before Harden, and now he's stuck there without... Harden's already gone, right? Harden already was like, fuck this shit. This this is ridiculous. I'm getting out of here. Kyrie opted in because he couldn't get that much money from anybody else because every the, the book is out on Kyrie that he's undependable, like, to be generous. You know, he's just not a reliable person. And... Now Durant is sitting here as the one guy out of those three that locked in and he didn't even get a player option. How do you not get a player option? Was Brooklyn going to be like, no, no, we can't do the player. No, they were going to be like, whatever you want, sir, sir, please, please just tell us what you want. Like this is like, if you want to be presenting yourself and, and your peers is like, you know, we're just as much about business as, the, the owners are and all that stuff. Okay, fine. But then 
I can call you out on being shitty at business. And that's what that is. You're shitty at business. Like, and now because you locked in, getting out of Brooklyn is a lot harder than it would have been, right? Like, if, yeah, like Brad Beal just got a no trade clause. First time in a zillion years, like KB could have got a no trade clause. Yeah, like, like he, and, and that is, I think, to your point, like a sign that if if things are just going as he is satisfied with them going, he's not going to push his way out, probably. You know, like, no, he'll just be like, KB, no, this is KB, fine. KB, we know how K- he's he's mercurial. He's not, like, you know, LeBron, like, is, is a five steps ahead type business guy for better and for worse and for convenience and for annoyance. KD is just, he's just like, I want to play ball with the homies. This is the contract. Cool. It's the contract. And now the shit has, the, the ship is sinking and he's like, well, don't give a shit. Now I'm on to the next thing. That's always how he's been. And it's not, it's just his personality. And it's like, it's not some, like you said, it's not some, some flexing of his business muscle. It is in the sense that like, now we get into a game of chicken, not unlike what we saw with Harden or, or, or not Harden rather um, Simmons and Maury and all that. But like, you know, to Maury's credit, he he was like, "All right, you want to do this shit? We gonna do this shit, and we'll see if Sean Marks uh, can do well, the same, or if he gets bailed out by another team willing to pony up like a zillion things or whatever." Yeah, and I mean, I, I just think like all this stuff is so funny because, you know, you know, you talked about LeBron. Like, LeBron always gave himself options, or like not always. But if he wasn't leave the team, he was. Well, I mean, he left the team once, but not without trying to like wholly just like, all right, this team's not winning. I'm trading everybody on this team. Like, well, and and also like he, like he signed. So when he signed a second contract, him, Wade, and Bosch all signed a shorter second contract than than like Cleveland deal. Yeah, second Cleveland deal was also shorter on purpose. Right, he kept signing one plus ones there, and actually Durant did this in Golden State when he first got there. He signed. A one-year deal or one plus one, opted out, signed another one plus one, and then I think he signed, did the same thing a third time before he left. And there were financial reasons for that, um, but like that gave you options, right? So like if shit went south, I don't know. His first year in Golden State, he wasn't locked in, right? But like so, in as insofar as giving himself options, that was a smart business move. Now business is more than just giving yourself options. Like I think looking at how he's expressed his feelings about various stuff, like I think he's obviously felt like whatever he wants to claim and say, like, I think it's very obvious. He did not get the satisfaction out of winning championships in golden state that he thought he would. Um, So I would say that while that worked for him on the court, as well as any move for any players ever worked uh, for somebody, it clearly did not provide the benefit he thought it would. So you could call that at least a disappointment, not a failure, but a disappointment maybe. Um, I would say this Brooklyn move has been the ultimate failure across the board in terms of, you know, what he, like, again, I mean, we've talked about this. I don't care. This is a Knicks podcast, so I can just fucking say this. Like, I will stand by this forever. I think him and Kyrie, they wanted to be in New York without actually being in New York. Brooklyn was there. They gave them the keys to the franchise. It was perfect for them, right? You get to live in New York. You get to do all your fucking live in Brooklyn hipster, wannabe hipster bullshit. You know, go fucking start 15 businesses with Rich Kleiman. 
Um, probably half of them failed because Rich Kleiman sucks at fucking his job. Um, and like, okay, now you and and everything failed there. By the way, like I don't want to like. I mean, we don't need to get into this because I already talked about this in the last, last podcast with Stacy. But like that, like this this entire Brooklyn thing is just like the ultimate sports failure. It's it is. I think pretty clearly the biggest failure in the history of the NBA, at least in the modern NBA, you know, look back the last 25, 30 years. I can't even think of anything that comes close to this. Um, and now he's looking for an exit strategy when if he had just been a little bit more kind of ruthless, maybe, or had a little bit more foresight and wanted to keep himself flexible, he would probably not be in the situation because let's say last year he goes to them and he's like, look, I'm going to opt out. I want to be here long term, but I don't really feel like locking in. Like, let me get a one plus one. They were never going to say no. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way they say no to that. And so you would have given yourself an option. And even if he wanted to opt in this summer, like, as an expiring contract, Brooklyn would be, he'd already be traded by now, I would bet. You know? But, like, because he signed this four-year deal, I mean, I still think at the end of the day he's going to get traded this offseason. But, like, the cost is going to be so much more prohibitive than if he was on an expiring contract for the team acquiring it. And so, like, this is the stuff, like, I mean, look, we, we've, you're a Knicks fan, so you know the Carmelo Anthony trade is, like, forever debated among Knicks fans, right? But at the end of the day, like, if you go back and look at the price we paid, whether we should have paid it or not, which is a separate discussion from the actual price that was paid, he was an expiring contract effectively at that time, which is why, like, if you look at it, it was basically Gallinari, Felton, Chandler, Mozgov, okay? One first-round pick, 2014, and a pick swap in 2016. That was it. That was the trade. And, like, that that, that would be the price. Effect. Like, you just can't get a huge premium for a star when they're on an expiring contract, except in very, very, like, specific, rare scenarios, right? And I just think KD has fucked this up so much, and... Whatever the trade is going to be, it's going to be a big haul. It might not be the the haul that Sean Marks seems to think he should be getting, but like it's going to be a big haul. It's going to present problems for wherever he ends up uh, in terms of filling in and building the team around him. And um, at the end of the day, it's very hard for me to believe uh, the presentation of this as like some master business maneuver or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. I'm just, I just want the shit to get over with. So, uh, there's lots of good, good stuff, not just for the Knicks, but like other teams in the league as a whole. That's just presumably gonna have to wait. Like, I want to see what the Suns do with Aiton, with Aiton. I want to see what the Jazz do, which which may involve the Knicks. I want to see, you know, lots of other free agents and shit like that and low, lower level trades of interesting players that are definitely going to happen and uh, we're just going to have to hang tight and I guess just uh, enjoy summer league in the meantime I don't know <laughs> yeah I mean I, I, I know I agree with that like I that's actually the most annoying part about this fucking um, this entire KD trade request here's a because... question real quick here's a question yeah. for you so like it just kind of brings together both of these discussions so Marks, if Marks gets the off the monster offer he wants in some sort of three team, four team, five team construction, wonderful, great, we can all get on with our fucking lives. But 
if he doesn't, right, if he holds out, because he's like, hey, dude, you signed this deal, too bad, so sad. Like, what's the point where the rest of the NBA gets on with it, right? Like, they're not just going to, they'll put this shit on hold for a while, but, like, what are we talking here? If the season begins in mid-October, like, September? Are people going to wait that far? You know, I have, I, this is like, I have, I have horrible, I have horrible internal calendar senses. So, like, I don't even know by when most years, most business in the NBA is done being conducted. So, I don't even have, like, points of reference in my head. Can I, I'm going to respond to this question, by the way. But can I just read a response I got to my QT of Draybond's thing just saying this analogy sucks so much? Okay. This is from at Rammer1500. Ramar, Rammer, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. Anyway, his whole argument is a series of flawed analogies posed as rhetorical questions to an audience that doesn't have the opportunity to cut him off and call his bullshit. A corporate worker is not an entertainer. As an entertainer, KD can be critiqued for being a bitch. <laughs> All right, shout out Raymer. Um, I just I I can't see this KD thing. Uh, there's so much pressure. Like there's so much. Like, so I was listening to Lockdown Knicks yesterday, and John Schmelk was on with Gavin, and he was talking about. You know, um, oh, like they were talking about will Randall be traded or, you know, the viability of Randall staying. And he was like, you know, I just think Randall's going to be here because if he was going to be traded, it would have already happened because the big moves in free agency happen early. And like, I agree with him, generally speaking. But this KD trade request has put such a, it has slowed everything down so fucking much. You know, like, there are so many teams that I think, and, and not just teams, right? Agents, players, whatever. Like, there's so many affected parties that are just, like, waiting to see how this KD thing plays out before they do anything. I mean, I've seen reports of some of the better free agents left on the market that are like, you know what? I'm not signing shit right now. So I'm going to wait to see where KD goes. And then I will have a better idea of my market, who's out there, what the money is, all that kind of shit. And so, like, when you have such a massive, like, this is slowing down business, right? Like, this is slowing down the business of basketball. Free agency, at the end of the day, what is what is the offseason, right? What is free agency? It is the time for players to cash in, uh, to for agents to cash in, and for teams to cash in at times, right? Like, be it, you know, we want to trade this guy to maximize our value, that kind of shit. Or we need to reshape our roster and all these kind of things. And teams want to get that shit done. Like, they don't want to sit there a month, a month and a half out. Like, this isn't Major League Baseball, bro, where, like, the best players don't sign until fucking six months into the into the season or some shit. You know, like, the NBA, the business usually gets done pretty fucking fast. You know, usually within, what, like, I would say a week, 10 days at like, that's the major business is over. If not sooner than that, I think I'm really pushing it by saying even a week. And so this KD thing is just, I, I just think at some point there's going to be too much pressure and Marks is going to pull the trigger because realistically, you know, what you got to ask yourself is what, what does like 
waiting actually change? His market is his market. Everybody knows this is not some unknown quantity. And he's not on a... Like, the weird thing with the Harden-Ben Simmons thing, right, was Maury was just like, I'm not going to trade Ben Simmons unless I get a star back, right? And because of Harden's contract situation where he was effectively... He could force his way into free agency this offseason if he wanted to. I mean, technically, he is a free agent right now. Um, it put pressure on the Nets to eventually play ball because Harden made it obvious he didn't want to stay there. The KD thing is different because he's got four years left on his contract. He can bitch and moan and be a non-cooperative. Like, he cannot really be cooperative with the Nets to make a trade happen, and he can try and be disruptive if that if he feels that's the way to get out. Um, but he's a known quantity. He's Kevin fucking Durant, right? Like we know who he is. He's also thirty four, right? And he's right, and he's thirty four. Like, so is a team. Like, I I understand the Rudy Gobert trade. Like, really might have shifted the market dynamics of what you would expect in trade. But like, the reality of the situation is this: okay, you cannot trade more picks than Minnesota did, right? You unless you have other teams' first round picks. If you look at the teams that are probably realistic suitors for Kevin Durant, they are not teams that have excess first line round. They have control of their own first, and they don't have excess first line round. So you are not going to get a better pick package in terms of three unprotected first and the fourth pick being top five protected than they offered. Now, Minnesota also offered an unprotected pick swap for Kevin Durant. Or sorry, for Rudy Gobert. Maybe Sean Marks thinks, okay, I should get two pick swaps. Fine, let's say you get two pick swaps. But, like, the actual value, like, the, the total pick package is not going to be much different than Rudy Gobert. So now it's a matter of... I think how, the main thing he's looking for is... players. It's players, right? That's the big difference. Minnesota, I mean, Utah is content to just get... Have the picks be the centerpiece of the package. I, I bet... I have no way of proving this, but if you, like, someone offered up a legit stud young guy... Like, say, Toronto relents and, you know says, okay, I'll give you Scotty Barnes or something, and then much, a much lesser pick package, then the Rudy thing, I'm, I'm sure he would jump at that. Yeah, I mean, I, so, my thing is, it's not realistic, though. Like, if I have, I think me and you are, would you say it's fair to say, like, me and you are probably higher on Brandon Ingram than the average educated NBA fan? I don't know. People like Brandon Ingram, man. He's a hooper. <laughs> He's he a is a hooper, hooper, but like, I feel like, like we were legit talking about, you know, the comparison to Jason Tatum maybe isn't that crazy, right? Like, I don't think most people think that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'd say we think the distance is a little smaller than most people, right? Like, I wouldn't trade Brandon Ingram in a package for Kevin Durant. I wouldn't do it. Um, I don't know if that's the consensus, like. And I'm, when I say package, I mean the Rudy Gobert. Like, anytime I'm saying package in reference to Kevin Durant, assume it is like a Rudy Gobert level hall of draft compensation, right? Like, I am not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do it. Because I think Ingram, he's 24 right now, or is he 25? Whatever he is. Like, he is entering his prime. He's also, he's 24. He's only turning 25 in September. Damn, he is fucking... How this dude's been in the league for like twenty years, I swear to God. Um, but like, 
He's got the the Derek Favors thing where they got drafted at like twelve years old. They've just been in the league for like forty years somehow, and they're only like twenty nine, twenty five, yeah. or whatever. Stephen Adams is another one of those. Oh my god, is he, he's not even thirty yet. Yeah, he's like twenty eight. That's um, mind blowing. More than the other guys combined, Jesus. But like, I I think like, and the other thing is Ingram is a cheaper contract. Like, he's making less money than Durant. So you have to actually throw in more shit to make the, the deal work. Um, so you have to pay more. You're, you're paying more salary to get to Kevin Durant. If you want to say Kevin Durant is a better player right now than Brandon Ingram, I would agree with that. Um, I don't necessarily believe that that is... Like, is he a better player when he's on the court? Yes. Now, how do you calculate and factor in the fact that Kevin Durant is not on the court all the time. He's going to miss like 25, 30 games a if season. If you include like the fact that he's going to miss time and that he's older, then that like lowers the package significantly in terms of what it's worth. What makes it back up again is like the KD is one of the – well, that and I was just going to say KD is one of the handful of players in the NBA who you could add to any team and basically be like – if not a championship contender, then almost a contender, just because of how ridiculous he is. If you get like a minimal passable number of games, and you're good enough to just make the playoffs a little bit, not by himself, as we saw um, several times, right, through his next tenure. But like, I would say more so than Ingram, that's the sales pitch, which doesn't matter for most teams because most teams aren't even a KD away from a championship, right? But like. If you're a team that has more things around him, then that's that's the premium because he elevates you in the short term in a way that someone like Ingram doesn't. So I, I get it. And like but again, like it, it depends. The teams for which he holds that kind of value narrows the pool of possible suitors. And then you layer on top of that the teams he wants to go to, and that narrows it further. And it's just it just makes it very unlikely in a straight-up deal. So, you know, a multi-team deal is definitely more possible, but, like, even that, like, there's a good chance that that he ends up just staying put, at least for now, and it is what it is, because Marx is like, no, fuck this, and that limited pool of teams that checks all the boxes is, you know, can't line things up correctly with a multi-team deal. So, I mean... If I had to, like, gun to my head, that's why I asked that initial question, because gun to my head, like, if I was taking a bets on it, I don't think, I would not, I know Phoenix is the favorite and blah, 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 but, like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think at a certain point, he's not going to, they're all parties involved, they're not going to find a suitable place, and Phoenix is going to be like, we got to do something with A-N, this KG shit's taking too long. Well, and, and that's, so that's why I think, like, I think they are going to come to something because at the end of the day, Marks can sit here. I want an all-star player. I want this. I want that. Who the fuck is giving you that? Nobody. Nobody is giving you that. The best you can get is like a you're like not an getting alien. like an alien. Yeah, He's like yeah. really good, but he hasn't made an like you're not <laughs> you're not getting Scotty Barnes, bro. Like, and I don't even love Scotty Barnes that much. Like, I actually think actually Rap- Schwinn hates Scotty Barnes. Yes, I do. Um, like he's a good player. Who is I, not as good as Franz Wagner. Duh. He's not. And I also like just think I, I wouldn't say this about Franz either. Like I just think these are not players that I watch and I'm like, oh yeah, twelve time All Star. You know what I mean? Like I didn't see that. I saw, but like, could that could they become that? Sure. 
But I don't watch them like Luca day one, right? Like literally after his rookie season, you were like, oh yeah. Express right. ticket Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there was no doubt. Like, or, you know, back in the day, a Tim Duncan rookie year, LeBron rookie year. Like, there are guys that you see finish their rookie year and you're just like, okay, like this dude is yeah, ten time all star for sure. I don't see Scotty Barnes like that. And that's why I think like in a vacuum, in a vacuum, I could totally understand if the Raptors internally, I have no idea what they think, but if they truly believe like, okay, if we did, our metrics are telling us if we do Scotty Barnes and fucking OG or Gary Trent Jr. and the Thad Young contract and a bunch of picks, in the next two years, we have a great chance of winning a championship. If that is what it's telling them, then I, I think it's a reasonable decision to push your chips in to do that, right? But like, I... For me, just how I look at it, I would not do it because I think Kevin Durant is a bad bet. I think he is a bad bet unless you have another superstar or close to superstar on your team and probably a third guy who is at least a star level player. And like, I don't see that with the Raptors in that scenario. Like, I love Fred Van Vliet. I think Siakam is underrated, but. You know, as good as that Kawhi run was in 2019, and you've talked about this, like, that team was really good, right? Like, their top eight guys were really good. If this Raptors team pushed in chips for Kevin Durant, they don't go eight deep. You know, like, they go six deep, seven deep maybe. And even their depth is not as good as that Raptors team depth was, right? And so, like, I just, I I wouldn't do it. Like, I'm sorry. I, I understand, oh, it's Kevin freaking Durant. Like, okay, cool. He's 34. This is not 2016. You know, like in 2016, when the entire basketball world was hoping and praying he would sign with them, it made sense. This is not that. He's he's ruptured his Achilles. He's played 90 games in the last two years. He misses minimum like 30 games a year. And we just saw like, yes, he can still shoot the shit out of the ball. Yes, he can still average 28 on fucking amazing shooting splits. We just, and I understand that their team was not the best and that, you know, he was his workload and all. I understand all of these things. But we just saw him in a first round series get absolutely fucking bullied around by the Celtics. Like, he could not create separation off the dribble. He could not get to his spots. He got pushed off his spots, quite frankly, right? He doesn't get to the rim at all anymore. Like, there's already pretty obvious signs of decline in kind of like the process part of his game, but his output is still elite because he's such a great shooter. But like that regular season output, now when you move it into the playoffs, the margins are different. Like I don't I don't love the bet. I, I really don't like the bet unless like I think Phoenix is a team where I get it because you have a booker and who knows how many years left you're getting of like star level Chris Paul, right? Like if it's one, if it's two. Right, right. They have like like that narrow intersection of teams, they they're the closest they're the closest to hitting all the marks, right? Because Memphis is the one that I love for a while. Memphis is another good. I haven't have have they even been mentioned as like in the mix? Uh, I've seen like some. Vi- I mean, I think everybody ultimately is like. There's if Kevin Durant's on the market, everyone's calling up. Yes, yeah. I'm sure Leon made but the I call. I mean, like in the mix for real. You know, yeah. what I mean? I'm sure Leon made the call, and and Sean Marks was like, "Listen, bro, like." 
They you were probably that. just like, how you doing? How you yeah. doing? Yeah, let's, let's catch up. How's the family? Blah, blah, blah. KD? Nah. All right, cool. Let's go, you know, five-star steakhouse sometime. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah, no, Memphis, like, I, I think if you do the math, like, Bane, uh, sorry, Bane, Dylan Brooks. Bane not going to move John Marks, though, bro. Steven, but, like, see, like, the, I agree with you. But that is the problem, right? Because yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you this right now, right? They could do Bane. It's just like eight and not moving yeah, Sean Marks. But, <laughs> but they, they could do Bane, Zyder Williams, Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, and I think they have some of their contracts. They can just and like, some, not some picks. Legit yeah, amount of picks and then they could throw in picks, right? Like that is legit four out of five of your starters right there, right? Like Bane, Zaire, Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams. That's four out of your five starting positions in the lineup right there and picks and it's like what are you you're not going to get a superstar piece and i actually think i mean we'll talk about this in the second part of our pod um but like i actually really like bane looking back at it like i think that there is an outcome for him of like not superstar that's never going to happen or like mvp player or top 10 but like is he a guy that can make a couple all-star teams? Well, yeah, like, define yeah. superstar, right? Like, he can, like, it sounds insane, but, like, Clay Thompson is, like, in the mix for him as, like, a similar... It's not likely, but it's possible. I mean, his playoff per, his playoff performance this year was really impressive, I thought. He, he's, literally, he's literally, and I've, I've been saying this ever since he got drafted, like, he's as good of a shooter as you could, like, design on a computer short of you might make him taller. That's like the only thing that would make him a better shooter. And yeah, Clay has him by a couple inches in that respect. Like, <laughs> right. But Bane is like, you know, he's stocky. That dude, like, you can't just push him around. Like, he's kind of yeah. like Eric yeah. Gordon. He's like Eric Gordon if Eric Gordon was consistently a great shooter instead of just having, like, random 42% shooting seasons. In, like, you know what I mean? Like, Eric, yeah, Gordon, yeah. Eric Gordon will have, like, these, like, Forty-one percent from three shooting seasons, and well, then he'll have others where he's like thirty Clay, like yeah. back in the day, right? Like he wasn't some like he was locked down because he was bigger than people realized, and generally he was where he was supposed to be, and not easy to shake off, and not easy to bully, right? So like again, like I really think there's some similarities there, but and again, yeah, we'll get into it in this in the next part of the pod, but like you're right, like I like in terms of you know, there's different kinds of players who are on that line in terms of maybe they'll make some all-star teams will they be all nba maybe but it wouldn't be surprising if they never did and i think bane fits in that category Aiton fits in that category um fuck i don't know i'm sure i i legit have no idea who else would even like be in the mix here i mean they want barnes or one of the like young blue chippers but like you said toronto's very unlikely to give a player who's that young up this quickly. Um, so Yeah, it's just like, I, I just feel like the Aiton thing, right? If you can get, is it ideal? Like Aiton, McCall, Bridges, and Picks? No, it's not ideal, right? That's not ideally um, what you want if you're trading Kevin Durant. But like for a 34-year-old Kevin Durant, if you get those two guys, you get all the picks, Funny like, enough, that leaves you kind of like where the Knicks are, where you got a bunch of guys who are good, but you don't have the guy. <laughs> yeah, and like I know, like I look, I God knows I've made fun of Ben Simmons endlessly on this podcast. He's good. Yeah, but like Ben, and he's going to be in a low pressure environment because nobody's, everybody's going to go back to not giving a fuck about Brooklyn or paying attention to them at all. 
Um, and now you've got, you know, Simmons, Aiton, Bridges. You still got Seth Curry. You've got all these picks. You got some shooters. Like they'll be competitive. Maybe, they just maybe... have to do the same thing we're doing and just wait for the stars to align and hope you can do what you did before, literally, and just. You know, the next pitch is like, hey, we'll have the assets to trade for a guy, and we have the glamour. The next pitch is we might not have the same assets, but hopefully we'll have some, and it's less pressure, but you still get New York, right? Like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, that would be the game they're in. But they don't want, I mean, they're rightfully, correctly, Sean Marks is trying to take the expressway here and bypass that shit and, and get that it's, guy from the get-go, which I respect you for trying, Sean Marks, but, like, like like you said, it's just not gonna happen. And it's like it's also just a dangerous game you're playing because tomorrow DeAndre Ayton can sign an offer sheet. That's and, what I'm saying. When are yeah. these guys gonna just be like fuck this and get up, keep it moving? Well, I think I think tomorrow's a big day. I think because if you're Ayton, like I don't What's I, tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm like ignorant of all the cap. Tomorrow's just like the day. Like if you're a restricted free agent, you can officially sign an offer sheet tomorrow. From so you team. can. I, well, put differently, you can teams can make the offer sheets, right, and therefore tie up like exactly. Okay, and so, like, and the it, thing I is, like, it. let's say, let's say, so Indiana has been rumored of like they might make an offer, they might throw DeAndre in a, a max offer sheet. If, if Indiana do does, that, then Phoenix is basically on the clock. Well, it's not even just that. If they do that, right? If they sign him to an offer sheet, even if Phoenix matches, they cannot trade DeAndre in for a year. So, like. The the second, literally the second that DeAndre Jordan, if he signs an offer sheet with somebody, that entire scenario is gone. Like, they will not, cannot, almost definitely, like, almost definitely will not be getting Kevin Durant. And, look, we know how the NBA is. You can tell Kyrie Irving you're not going to give him a max contract, and he can do crazy, insane Kyrie things. I don't think broadly players around I think players around the league at this point like understand Kyrie is kind of you know he's Kyrie. Mm. I think if you I I don't I don't agree with this by the way. Right? Like I I would respect if a team was like we don't really give a shit about your fucking preference because you have a four year contract. Like we're trying to build like we're in this position because of you because we did everything that you wanted. So this is kind of bullshit. Like, but there, we know how this league works. We know if they do that, KD is KD, right? Like, he has stature among his peers and around, like, around the NBA. If they do that to him and effectively burn any chance of him getting to Phoenix, and if we know that Phoenix, let's say we hear that there was an opportunity to get Aiton and Bridges and all these picks and stuff, if they burn that and then, you know, they have to find another suitor now. Like, I just think it's, it is a very dangerous game. I think at the end of the day, they're going to bite the bullet. And I, I, it would not shock me if by the end of Friday, so tomorrow's 7, 8, July, July 8th, would not surprise me if Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. I'll put it that way. I guess we'll see you next week because I still think uh, they're going to hold out and other teams are going to get it popular with eight and, um, but you're much better at front office prognostication than I am. So uh wouldn't right. be the first time I missed the mark there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough about fucking Kevin Durant and the Nets. I'm sure that 
everybody's heard enough of them. Uh, we do have to like look. Let's let's get into some a little bit of Knicks related uh, conversation. Um, the Knicks did sign did sign uh, Jericho Sims today to a three year deal. Um, I think this was. I mean, it was expected. It had been reported they were going to sign him to a, a, a standard NBA contract and move him off the two way that he was on. Um, from what I have read, this seems like a very nice deal for the Knicks. There are some player option, right? I mean, team, team option. option on year three, and then there's also various triggers for various guarantees in the contract. We don't know the number on it at the end of the day. We don't know if it's like three years, seven million, eight million, whatever it is. It'll be a cheap, nice contract. Um, and I'm happy for Sims because he gets off a two way and he's going to make. Is it? It's not like super serious NBA money, but it is super serious, normal, average human Literally money. anyone else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was a four. Like, you know, you don't see it a lot. Like, it's just a rare, cool situation. Like, guy did four years, came into the NBA older, 23, pick 50, whatever. Wait it. You know, like Tibbs always says, right? Like, you wait, you wait, you get your chance, you show out. You get trained by the guru, Taj. <laughs> now you potentially put him out of work, right? Uh, over Tibbs' dead body. Well, over other teams' dead body, because <laughs> apparently uh, Tibbs has resurrected his trade value now that they know that Taj is the long-lost splash uncle. Uh, we need, we need to get Taj in the bay, man. Uh, yo, he's yo, he's not going to be... I'm telling you, like, ever since I've seen that report, like, it just makes too much sense. Like, other teams see, like, this guy can be like the break in case of emergency, in case of two injuries, like corner three point shooting, center who knows what to do on defense, and he can help your young kids. Like, I'm sure the Warriors would love for this motherfucker to be like the 14th man and also trying to teach James Wiseman up from down and Jonathan Kuminga up from down. Like, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. So, so would all these other teams. And like, like, it's just as far as you know, mentor guys who can actually do something, unlike, say, Udonis Haslam or something. <laughs> Tough to beat touch. So, so I get it. I totally get it. And to me, well, one question I have for you is like, all right, that's three centers. Taj is pretty much, like, I know we joke, like, over to the dead body, but, like, there's no way they're going to bring Taj back as a fourth fucking center. I don't care what minimum bet exception whatever is available, dude. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like he that's four setters, bro. I'm just saying, like, I if you assume that you're not going to sign, like the, the 
14th, 15th guy isn't playing, like, I could just see them doing it. I agree with you. I don't think they need to. Like, I love Taj. Oh, I if, know they don't need to. Yeah, like, if they if they had rolled with Mitch, Sims, Taj, I would have been fine with that. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But you signed Hartenstein. He's going to right. play, obviously. Like, look at his contract. He's going to play. He's the backup center, obviously. Um, and Sims showed enough that I don't think you need to worry about, like, well, what if Hartenstein got injured? What if... No, that's why they're yeah. signing him, because right. he showed enough to be that guy, for yeah. sure. And, and, then, and, then, and then on top of that, like... <clears throat> Like if if you do have an injury crisis, that's fine. Obi's still here. Randall, for the time being, is still here. Like those guys can fill in at the five if need be. Like I, it's I'm with you. Like I don't think they should bring back Taj as much as I, 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 I do love Taj as like just we can you give know him a standing ovation when he comes back to the garden. Yeah, like I, I mean I love the guy. He's great veteran. I think he is like truly a great example for any young player of like how to really maximize and get everything out of your career by just being like a dedicated professional um so yeah i mean i'm with that but like yeah i i, I hope they don't bring him back and we'll see i mean the them signing sims is interesting because i feel like it lends credence to the idea that there is going to be a sign and trade eventually with how we acquire jalen brunson which would in in the most likely scenario uh, give us a nice little $9.2 million traded player exception uh, for Kemba, which would be very nice. We wouldn't have to renounce that. Uh, we would be able to keep that and potentially give ourselves options in trade, um, maybe to recoup assets or to grease the wheels in a way to, uh, you know, let's say move off Randall, but you are willing to take on an extra salary from the other team. Like stuff like that is interesting. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but look, let's, we did, we did our obligatory Knicks conversation, right? I don't know if we need, I, I've talked endlessly about Jalen Brunson and I don't know what really needs to be said about Isaiah Hartenstein, like really good backup center should be fun with our backup unit. Um, cool. it's funny. The, the only funny thing I'll say about Hartenstein is like, he's good enough to be a starter on many teams, but he has to get under control. The one problem that people keep saying Mitch has to get under control that Mitch, to his credit, has actually had under control for a long time, and that's fouling. <laughs> so, in that sense, it's um, you know, the Knicks got a value deal with a guy who could start, whose big issue is fouling, which they've solved for other players. So it's, it's just a great all-around situation for the center rotation. Like it's, I know. For a lot of people, this kind of precludes any small ball minutes. But you know, I, I I'm I definitely don't want to like not play OB if the alternative is no small ball. So I totally get that. But as far as strategy goes for the team, like I keep on saying, like we're not good at offense, or we haven't been. So lock in that good defense. Like it, I'm never gonna have an issue with the front office doing that. And by, uh, we'll see what the Mitch deals looks like, but it's almost certainly going to be fine, if not more than fine. And with the Hartenstein deal and now the Sims deal, like, it basically locked it into me as far as I'm concerned. Maybe uh, yeah, I mean, the <clears throat> the Mitch deal to me, I just don't, 
as long as the fourth year is a team option, I'm fine with it. Um, <clears throat> is it a bit of an overpay? Maybe, sure. Like, I, I it could be. Um, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, just like, you know, we thought all the contracts that came out last summer at the time, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Maybe this won't be fine either. But, like, I tend to think if it's something like three years, 45, or three years, 47, with declining cap hits or something like that, like, that'll probably be a fine contract for Mitch. So I'm not that worried about that. Um, I do really like the Hartenstein contract value, and then obviously I think the Brunson contract is fine, so whatever. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about two teams that um, I don't think anybody really cares about other than fans of those teams, but on this podcast we do because we have no life. Um talk a little bit about the Washington Wizards and uh, the Sacramento Kings, who I think have had interesting off-seasons. I, I, would, I, I would like to start with the Kings because I actually don't... like. I think they do have a vision. And whether Me you too, agree... and it's so fucking... Like, well, look, I'll let you go and then I'll get off my rant. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like, regardless of how you feel about what they did in the draft or committing to Sabonis at the expense of Halliburton pairing him with Fox and all these things like regardless of how you feel about that I actually think they're building something now that has a pretty clear vision and I think they have an idea of what pieces they need around Fox and Sabonis to kind of make that work now is it easy no are they going to be a contender this upcoming season absolutely not is are are they fucked long term? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I, I I don't know if this pairing and this team construct has like the upside to eventually become a contender. But like, I do think they have a path to being fun and potentially good, good enough to at least make the playoffs. Um, I like Keegan Murray. I know that. I think Ivy was the better talent, like the better, the superior talent for sure. But if you're committed to Sabonis Fox, Keegan's awesome there. Like, I, that's, that's, like, I just can't, in terms of plug and play dude, like that dude is going to come in as a rookie, play off those guys, probably average 17 points on like 58 true shooting, shoot great from the field, and play solid defense. You know what I mean? Like, I, he's going to be a solid player. I thought the Herder deal for them was a good move. They gave up a lottery-protected 2024 first. They unload a couple of the vets that didn't matter to them. They add Herder. It's a they, little steep for Herder, but Herder's solid. And he's locked healthy. in. He's locked yeah. in. It's four years. His extension is only kicking in now. Four years, $65 million. So you have him locked up for the next deal, four especially years. Especially with the, the TV stuff going on. Yeah. And then, and I, I loved the monk contract. I think it was two years, eighteen uh, million. Our son. Yeah, my, my, my forever son who seems to be back on track. Um, but I'm like, sure. I'm, I'm curious if he gave them a. What was the monk deal? I think it was two years, eighteen million. I want to say. I wonder uh, if he could have got more elsewhere, and if he just was like, "I'm playing with the homie." <laughs> two years. Yeah, two years, nineteen million. Um. Yeah, I, I just think that's, like, they needed shooting. You need shooting desperately around these guys. Like, like, Monk, Herter, Keegan, that's shooting. And now, it's not just shooting. And here's, here's, the, here's why I like it so much. It's it's not just shooting. It's shooting plus, right? Like, the plus is probably not defense. 
right? <laughs> but like, like you know, Monk and Keegan, they can be fine on defense, but nobody's going to call them a plus defenders. Keegan think, maybe gets there. Yeah, I think Keegan can get there. Monk, I think he's going to be. Other than James Boo, I'm not sure anybody thinks he could be. A I think plus I think Monk can be a like on a good fine. defensive. Like if Monk was on the Knicks or some shit, like our defense would be fine with Monk. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like yeah. Fournier or whatever. Yeah. Like he yeah. won't sink your defense. He can be a a neutral who has really bad moments and also some good moments. But like for the offense, like all those guys can put it on the deck and pass. I mean, Keegan didn't really pass much, but he could put it on the deck and do stuff. Herder is legitimately a plus passer. Monk is a great, like, closeout attacker and decent passer. So, um, if they really get some motion offense type shit going, like, you got a lot of guys who could dribble and pass and shoot. Um, Mitchell's still there, who can also dribble, pass, and shoot, and is athletic in his own right. So, you, you know, you got a, a good rotation of offense around guys who need shooters and also need dynamic playmakers and I mean I, it remains to be seen what they do like the the one outstanding question for them is how they treat the center spot strategically right like do they sacrifice that to defense or do they just like fuck it Rajon Holmes stretch fives and Sabonis at the five and they just go all out on offense I don't I could be talked into either way since they're gonna probably be bad at defense no matter what but like i think i think sabonis and fox are going to put up nutty numbers efficiency wise and they're going to have a bunch of shooters around them and they're going to run some teams out of the building in the regular season and and they got davion too they got what yeah that's what i'm saying like you have guys who can handle the ball and i mean i think he's going to shoot i know like his shot was only okay last year but like Whatever. The point is, you got guys who can run and shoot. And they still got Harrison. They still got Barnes there, chilling. Yeah, Barnes. They could do to switch him out for a more defensively-minded guy, given the other guys they got in there. But, yeah, like, you're right. Like, as far as, I mean, he's still, like, not a bum, right? So, uh, they got some players there on offense. It's just, can they get the defense to passable and... I I don't even think you need to be a creative coach to get them to a top 10 offense. And I know top 10 offense is a really high bar because the offense in the NBA is fucking insane right now everywhere. But, like, I I just – you're going to have efficient shooters around two high-usage, high-efficiency guys who can pass. Like, it's pretty straightforward. The vision is pretty straightforward. You might – disagree that they can get the defense to where it has to go for that offense to mean anything and which is entirely fair but like as far as going for it without really sacrificing much like they still have most of their stuff right like future stuff uh yeah they just they're out that 2024 pick now but yeah other than that um they have all their picks yeah uh, and barnes is he doesn't have that much left right is he expiring Barnes is an expiring contract. Yeah, so like they'll have some maneuverability if they want to reallocate some of the strength of the team or whatever. Like, they yeah, have they have options. They they have options. And the trade. dudes are young. Like, I like I fucking like Fox and Sabonis are not like thirty four years old. That's the other thing that kills me. Like, Fox is whatever, like twenty four, twenty five, and 
almost put up 30 a game. Like, I don't give a fuck about I know, like, most He's 24. Yeah, like, we could quibble about, like, his winning and his defense and all that shit is super fair, but, like, you could do worse than a decent efficiency, ridiculous scorer like that. Like, and, and pairing so, him with the ideal, like, offense partner in Sabonis. <laughs> yeah, and Sabonis is 26. So it's like, you have, like, some time to, to put the pieces around these guys. Um, or maybe you can trade them later and get better pieces. Like, they have options, and I just think, like, I just liked what they did given kind of what they had going into the offseason. Um, I still feel like there's more to come from them. Like, you know, we just talked about uh, Harrison Barnes, but, like, also Rashawn Holmes, um, who was cleared of the charges that he was facing. Um, entirely, I think they were dismissed. Um, but, like, that that's a guy they can move, right? And maybe they can get a player to a different position or a better fitting center or something like that. You know, like, I just think there's ways for them to go that are interesting. And um, I just, I like, I like what they did in the off season so far, you know, like I, I, I get that Keegan was not the upside play there, but he's still good. Uh, yeah, he's good. And he's I just, really man, I, I, I just think that that fit is really nice. And, you know, Ivy, maybe he turns into a star. Right, like that—that's possible. Um, but like, I think it was. It, they they made a call. They said they said Murray is worth more than what we could get. Yes, trading this pick because most moves have transaction costs associated with them, except for superstar trades, pretty much. So it's not an insane bet at all. Like, you know, we we talked about this from the other side of the negotiating table, right? Because we were trying to trade for Ivy, and like, it's for the level of prospects that Keegan and Ivy were, like, we're talking about the 11th pick, or the 10th pick, and maybe a future pick, and when you start throwing in names like IQ and Obi, everybody was like, nope, not doing it, right? So, like, you're really, like, yes, the deals could work out, but the cow, like, the, the the answer to the equation could easily be like, no, nope, we're going to take Keegan, who is, you know, he's old, but he's not a fucking old man. And he's has lots of untapped upside. Like, I don't know what his, how many threes he's been taking in summer league, but um, I talk about this a lot with taller players. But in college, you can't really, even if you're an amazing shooter, you're really not going to break 10 threes per 100. Jabari Smith broke it, and he's like the only guy I can remember who's, like, a tall, ridiculous shooter who broke that. But in the NBA, you can break that shit easily. Like, you can you can be a big man and take 13 threes per 100 and just fucking bombs away, like, Dallas Mavericks style on a lot of teams now. And Keegan's great inside the arc, so he probably won't need to do that. But, like, there's just so many ways for him to become productive that, you know, I, I can't blame the Kings for being like, eh, we're not going to take the 11th pick and some like questionable future pick and hope that you know the the guy we get at 11 is a steal and he outperforms his position by a lot and blah 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 and they they instead take the guy who fits into like every offense ever at a high level (laughs) yeah and he he's big i think that matters like his size is like makes him a really nice component 
whether they play Sabonis at the four or they mm-hmm. feel they need to go out and get a five. Because um, I think Keegan is actually capable of playing both forward spots pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I just think the moves they made make sense. It gives them versatility. Um, like both Herder and Keegan especially can play multiple positions. So I think that was really big for them. They didn't have that at all on the wing. Um, like they literally did not have wings last year, you know? No, it was just Harry. Yeah. It was just Barnes. Yeah, and he's not even like a real wing anymore. He's just like a four like now, because yeah. he's just fucking jacked and shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I, I think, I think we're at both like pretty. I don't want to say like I'm like all in on the Kings or something, but I just think we're they had a solid, way solid mistake compared to yeah. most people who are like, oh my god, they traded Tyrese Halliburton, and then the only other way they can get Tyrese Halliburton is by tanking like the Thunder and getting Jaden Ivy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I just think that. They and not and even setting aside the Halliburton trade, like if you just accept that, like this is their roster. So what would you have done this offseason? They've basically done the kind of things I would have done. You know, like yes. I, I, get I like fucking that. awesome shooters who could do other shit. Don't give up. I mean, they gave up the the one pick for Herder, and that's the one I'm like on the fence about. But again, defensible for a role player. I don't, I don't, I, and I haven't even, I'm not even going to pretend like I've looked at the actual protection. So, like, I don't know the quality of the pick. And I don't trust the reporting because people get that shit wrong all the time on what picks are good and bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, it, it's, it's fine. I, I think they did, they did a pretty good job. Um, the other team I want to talk about is uh, your adopted hometown team, uh, the Washington Wizards, who I, I just have, like, I feel like whether you think the Kings have picked a good direction or not, they have picked a direction. And because, you know, we talked about Fox is 24, Sabonis is 26, and even the pieces they've added, right? Like Herder, I think, is 23, and Monk is 24, and, you know, obviously Keegan is 22. Monk is going to be one of those Stephen Adams dudes who's like 28 in the league for like 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. And and Keegan is obviously, he's a rookie, but he's an older rookie, but even then he's 22. Like, They've gotten younger, right? Like they they have more time, and they have time around their key players to kind of figure it out. And they've picked a direction, whether you agree or disagree with it. I just don't understand the Wizards. Like I don't. I mean, I get what they're doing, but what they're doing just seems to be like keep Beal and then just make Arjun moves around him, and that's about it. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.